Hello, and welcome back to Captain's Nose for Young Leaders. I'm your host, Tyler Ross. In this episode, we're going to focus on what many consider an ugly word, and that is failure. Nobody likes to fail, but the reality is everybody does. Especially leaders, we really hate failing. And there's several reasons for that. You may think that everyone's looking at you when you fail and judging you on your abilities. You may think that your team loses confidence in you when you fail, especially if you fail in a public setting. And you may think to yourself, man, I keep failing. Maybe I'm not cut out to be a leader. Well, I'm here to tell you guys, everybody fails. Every single human being that that has ever lived on planet Earth has failed at some point or another. And that's okay. Nobody expects you to be perfect. And you can't expect yourself to be perfect either. And again, many leaders who, who fail or who encounter challenges during their leadership journey, a lot of us are type A personalities. And by that, really what I mean is we're go-getters. We want to go hard charge. We're achievers. We want to succeed in everything we do. And especially for our young folks out there who may have ascended to a leadership position at a young age or who have that motivation to get there and are actively working towards it, failure can feel like something that is inhibiting you from reaching that goal from reaching that nirvana of leadership that you aspire to. It can feel like you know that whole saying, one step forward, two steps back at times. And the reality is leadership is not a linear journey. Leadership is definitely multi-tiered, multifaceted, and multidimensional. You don't just go from good to better to best in a straight line. We all take multiple routes to get there, and it really depends on the environment you're in, the organization or the industry you're in, and who you have around you supporting you either as an example setter for you or the team under you that's that's propping you up and, and helping you succeed. So I really wanted to talk about failure today. I've definitely mentioned that in previous episodes and how I think failure is definitely a gift, but I wanted to dive into that. And I think today we'll stay heavily focused on personal examples for me, because certainly like any leader, especially someone who started leading at a young age, um, I've encountered my fair share of failure. The important thing with failure is not to just continuously fail and think that it's okay. Of course, you don't want to keep making the same mistakes over and over again. It's important that you learn from your mistakes and apply them to future situations. Again, this is called Captain's Notes for Young Leaders. This will tie back to the notebook concept. What I did as a young Marine officer, even when I was in college at the Naval Academy, was keep a list um, in my leadership journal with not just failures that I encountered, but also failures of leadership that I had seen from others. Even as a history major, you know, of course, I'm learning a lot about um, history, especially military history, um, since I went to a military academy uh, and, and studied the leadership of famous you know, generals and, and leaders in history um, and looked at their failures. You, especially, I focused on Civil War history uh, for my undergrad degree. And that is a a war that was fraught with leadership failures, you know, from many angles. And it's not something that's easy uh, to pick out sometimes when you are learning about, you know, successes. Mostly history focuses on uh, on successes of leaders and not failures. So sometimes you have to dig deeper. Uh, But the Civil War is some great examples. I think one of the most obvious, you know, failures uh, was probably the South um, trying to, you know, take on the North on their home territory in Gettysburg. And of course that turned out very poorly for the Confederacy. And, you know, many would argue ultimately led that, that slope down to, uh, to the end of the war at Appomattox where the surrender occurred. Um, But 
anywhere in history or in current day that you notice leadership failures, whether in yourself or in other people, I'd recommend writing them down so you can put that in your in your bank uh, and learn from it and know that you can apply those lessons in future situations. In the military, we have a term called the well of fortitude. And really what that is, is it's 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 something deep within you that you fill with your experiences, um, your passion, your training, um, and certainly with your failures and the lessons you've learned from those failures. And we basically envision that you have this well inside you that when it's full, you know, you are at your top capacity as a leader. You can think, communicate, and act swiftly in difficult situations, and you're primed and ready to go um, to lead your team. And if that well is empty, you're not nearly as uh, strong of a leader. You don't nearly have the same ability to respond to adversity and especially difficult situations and overcome them. Um, so it's important to continuously feed that well and, and keep yourself abreast on your own leadership, your own leadership failings and successes and of those around you um, to really make sure that you are applying lessons as they come up um, and as you learn them. So let's jive, just jump right in. So I'll take us back in time a little bit to when uh, I was a young lieutenant. Um, as, a, as a young officer in the Marine Corps, every officer goes through what's called the basic school. So kind of a unique thing about the Marine Corps, uh, whereas in other services, you may um, commission as an officer uh, and go immediately to your primary uh, school or training for whatever your job is going to be. It's a term we call military occupational specialty or MOS. So, for example, if you're an Air Force guy and you, and you know you're going to be a pilot, you'll go immediately to flight training and, and start training to become a pilot. If you're going to be a doctor, you'll immediately go to medical school and start training for your medical degree. Um, in the Army, if you're going to be you know, a logistician, you're going to immediately go to logistics school and, and start learning uh, about how to be a logistics guy um, right off the bat. The Marine Corps does not do that. Uh, the Marine Corps has an ethos that says every Marine is a rifleman, which really means that every Marine is an infantryman first, which means you need to be able to put boots on the ground, grab a rifle, lead a team in the combat. And then your MOS is secondary. So whatever you're doing on a daily basis, that's great. If you're a pilot, if you're a lawyer, if you're a logistics guy, if you're a communications guy, artillery, whatever, that's great. But you need to, no matter where you are or who you are, be able to jump in and go fight the bad guy on the ground, face-to-face, -face, in person. Um, so the basic school is infantry school for officers. It's six months. It's in Quantico, Virginia. Um, and everybody does that before they go off and, and go to their specialty schools. That Everyone has to go through and pass uh, the basic school and, and be certified as an infantry officer within, within the United States Marine Corps. So uh, here I was, second lieutenant. Uh, I had just finished the Naval Academy, you know, full of spit and vinegar, ready to go, had wanted to be a Marine my whole life. Uh, and here we are, our initial physical fitness test. Um, you know, I had a month off in between graduating from the Naval Academy and then reporting to Quantico. We called it basket leave. So it just gives you time to kind of reset, maybe um, you know, get ready for the move to Virginia to, to say goodbye to loved ones because really the basic school is a six-month, very intensive program. We don't see people for a long time. Um, and I'll admit it, you know, I, I was a little bit lax on my physical standards for myself. Uh, not that I went crazy, but I definitely traveled around. I enjoyed, uh, you know, going out with my friends and, and my, my now wife, then fiance was a senior, um, in high school or in college at that time. So, 
uh, would definitely make trips, you know, to her college and enjoy, uh, you know, time with her and going out and having fun as a young 20 something. Um, so sure enough, you know, a month goes by and day one at the basic school, we have our physical fitness test. It's a test that you do at least once a year, uh, in the Marine Corps to test your physical fitness, very important to your ability to be promoted and at basically part of your evaluation process. And obviously as a Marine, you need to keep yourself in tip top physical shape. Um, and I had typically scored pretty well. So just for reference, it scored on a, on a, uh, score of zero to 300. Um, the reason is 300 is that there's three different, um, events that you do, right? So you have a, a three mile run and then you have, uh, pull-ups and then you have to do sit-ups. So each one is from zero to hundred. You add them together, you get a score out of 300. Okay. So for running, I was always you know, fairly athletic and, and never really had much of an issue with it. Um, usually for three miles, I'd get there around 19 minutes, which is pretty good. You know, the perfect score for the Marine Corps is 18 minutes and three miles. I was usually around 19, which meant I got most of those points. Um, hadn't run in about a month. And sure enough, first thing we do is the run. And I went out there and ran 21 minutes, which I left a lot of points on the table. I was very disappointed in myself. And the three mile run is definitely the most, I think for most people, the most daunting because it's, 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 it's a run. Uh, it's long enough to be, you know, annoying. You'll be huffing at the end, but it's not long enough to really get into that good runner's groove. Um, so it's, you kind of feel like you're sprinting three miles when you do it, especially adds that pressure that, you know, it's being timed. Uh, and here I am, you know, running with, you know, dozens of other young Marine lieutenants and I, here I am finally, you know, doing Marine Corps training day one and I'm getting passed up by guys left and right. And I was like, oh gosh, you know, what did I get myself into? You know, second guessing myself the whole run should have run more, should have stayed in better shape during that month off. Um, coming at 21 and that just kind of set the tone for the rest of the day. And looking back, you know, seven minute mile pace for three miles is pretty good. It wasn't good enough for me and I knew I could do better. Um, and that set the tone for the rest of the of the physical fitness test. And so, you know, perfect score for pull-ups is 20. I think I got like 15, usually always got 20 and then sit-ups usually, you know, I always get that hundred, um, sit-ups aren't that difficult, but I left a lot of points on the table and it was very frustrating. And what I learned from myself is, you know, Tyler, just because you want something and you made it across that finish line of the Naval Academy, which was, you know, a marathon in itself, um, doesn't mean that you're just naturally imbued with the abilities to be a, a good Marine, especially physically. You got to continuously work at it just like your leadership. Um, so certainly the next day put myself on a pretty rigorous workout program and was able to get my, my uh, standards back up to par by the end of the basic school. And that's a lesson I kept with me during my time in the Marine Corps. I always made time for physical fitness because hugely important to your role. And, and that definitely came to fruition when I was in combat, you know, um, Keeping myself in tip-top shape was hugely important, especially being deployed, because as rounds are coming down range and flying over my head and our guys are getting shot at and we have to respond, uh, it was you know, hugely important, especially cardiovascularly, to have that endurance built up and have that well of fortitude built up um, to get through it and to be able to continue you know, fighting under hectic circumstances, especially in Afghanistan, where you're talking 105, 110 degree heat. I'm wearing 60, 70 pounds of gear. I'm not a big dude. I'm five, seven, you know, 150. Um, so to be able to keep up the fight for hours, pinned down or, or just being shot at and having to return fire and think under pressure, 
uh, that physical fitness aspect never failed me because I knew I was in tip top shape. And I knew that uh, from a lesson I learned when I first started literally my first day training as a Marine. So those kind of things are important to, to learn from and apply. Um, failure is a funny thing. Failure is acceptable as long as you don't continuously do it for the same reason, I would say. Strong leaders learn from their failures and apply the lessons they learned to future situations so that they don't repeat those same failures. Um, a good example here, you know, we had a young uh, lieutenant in my company when I was a captain, uh, fresh out of school. He was a supply guy. Um, and one thing we do in the Marine Corps, really anywhere that you manage inventory is at least once a year, you do a big inventory where you count everything that you own. Um, and you basically have to document it for, you know, value purposes to document the value you have on hand. And also, especially just for accountability, especially in the Marine Corps, when you consider we're talking about, you know, ammunition, uh, weapons, vehicles, uh, you know, optics, all this kind of stuff, not only high dollar, but also just important to have accountability completely of the Marine Corps is huge on accountability. Um, so we did a, you know, a prep inventory since it was his first one. Uh, and sure enough, you know, realized pretty quickly that he didn't really know what he was doing. And it's tough to come straight out of a school setting to the real world and, and know exactly how to apply it. So we're like, okay, that's why we do a rehearsal. It was a practice well before the inventory. Um, we did a practice. We went through it in, in minute detail, what went well, what went wrong, you know, gave him some corrective action, said, all right, man, you got this. And you could tell he's down on himself. You know, he's, he's um, frustrated with himself that his first inventory didn't go well and obviously knew there was room for improvement. Uh, and the biggest thing for us was just the documentation piece. He didn't have his documentation squared away. We have a very structured way that we document inventory and report it in the Marine Corps. Um, and he didn't know how to use the system well. So we're like, okay, now you know how to use the system. We're going to come back and do another rehearsal uh, and let's make sure we get it right. So we walk away from that, you know, me and my team thinking, okay, we're good. He's, he's young. He's new. Just give him time. We'll get there. Um, sure enough, we come back, you know, two months later. And this is like three weeks before the actual physical documented inventory. Same thing. The same thing happens again. And we're like, dude, what are you doing? And he's like, well, I just thought that I had some time to fix it. Um, that's where you lose confidence. Okay. We didn't lose confidence in that first iteration thinking, okay, he's new. Got it. It's okay. You learn from it. You make a mistake. You learn from it. When we realized that he hadn't applied those, those lessons to the next iteration, that's where you start to lose confidence. And that's where your team will start to lose it. So I'm not saying that failure is an okay thing just to fail constantly. Obviously, as a leader especially, you need to be able to show your value, improve your value. And the way you do that is by producing results uh, and also by being you know, an empathetic, strong leader to your team. But you also need to be able to produce results as well. Because at the end of the day, you're leading people. You're also managing process, whatever process has been given to you to manage. So you need to be able to produce that um, and not consistently fail, especially in the same ways. Um, so sure enough, we got him squared away, um, had to babysit a little bit, and he definitely learned his lesson. But that's that's a kind of extreme example of, you know, hey, fail once and that's fine. Correct it, learn from it, keep it in your notebook, and actively work on getting better, and then apply it to the future. If you don't, that's where you're going to start losing that confidence from your leadership and from the team members underneath you. Um, another important way that you can apply failure uh, is, you know, like I said, through study. Um, a lot of times history documents the failures of, uh, you know, very famous people or very in the military realm, very, you know, grand battles or what have you. And failure becomes kind of obvious as you look back, you know, with, with hindsight. Um, I do think it's great from a thought process perspective. You know, we can, we can 
second guess Napoleon to death at Waterloo. Um, but you know, we all know how that turned out, uh, for him, but many of us aren't going to be in a situation where we're going to, you know, lead an army into battle like that. Uh, you have to be able to glean the nuggets from there, the decision-making processes and the thought processes and apply it to your setting. I think one thing that may be more impactful than just studying, even though that's an important way to build your well of fortitude, uh, is, to learn from mentors. Mentors are hugely important. And it is very important for you to find a mentor, whether in your industry, adjacent to you, or someone that you know, who has kind of been there and done that for a while, especially as a young person or just a new leader in general, uh, and, and latch onto them and learn from them, pick their brain, be a sponge, and ask them about their failures. Hey, what's the time that you really wish you could have done something differently? What's something, a decision you made that you regret? What's a good example of a failure that, you know, you had to learn from and grow from because um, those will most likely be more uh, personal examples. So they'll, they'll be able to provide more detail than a history book or a novel or something can, can produce. Um, and certainly if you develop that mentor mentee relationship, they'll be more willing to open up to you about the good, bad, and the ugly. I think we all throw up this, you know, facade of success, especially when we're a leader, we only want to talk about the good stuff. It's important to get people to talk about the bad stuff. And it's important for you as a leader not to shy away from that and to be able to talk about the bad and the failures. Because the hope is that you don't just learn from them, but, but posterity learns from it. And that folks that you are grooming to lead or other folks that you see potential in uh, can learn from your mistakes without having to actually make them. Um, a good example of this, I was fortunate when I was at TBS or the basic school, uh, you know, we had a captain who was in charge of our little platoon of lieutenants. And uh, he, he kind of took us through the entire course of structure, course of instruction and uh, was kind of, you know, the guy that we looked up to because he was there to teach us how to be Marine officers. Well, fast forward, I get to what's called the fleet, which is the active operating Marine units um, in the Marine Corps. I'm done with school. I'm now at Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. Report to my unit and guess who my operations officer is. Sure enough, it's Captain Jordan Meads, who was my platoon commander. Um, and Captain Jordan Meads and I, definitely developed a very strong relationship, obviously because we've seen each other in different aspects of our Marine Corps life, uh, but because I just really respected him as a leader and wanted to learn from him. He had been to Iraq. He had been to Afghanistan. You know, I had just finished school. I'm finally in the op operating Marine Corps forces. Um, and so we had some very candid conversations about failure uh, and what he had failed at in the past and how to learn from it. And he was always very open about that when we were at the basic school. Uh, but when I had him in a one-on-one -on -one setting and he was literally in my chain of command, again, when I was, you know, in the active forces, um, his mentorship was invaluable to my success as a leader. I was able to learn from him vicariously and be able to apply lessons that he had learned already to my future situations that I would encounter. Leadership challenges, operational challenges, planning, all of this. You know, I was in logistics. A lot of what we do is planning. Um, my first role as a Marine officer in the fleet uh, was as a landing support platoon commander, which what they do, landing support, get stuff from A to B on and off of ships and helicopters, um, trains. It really what we call in the supply chain world, intermodal transportation is what landing support is. So for example, if we're ever loading up a ship to go out, um, that's landing support. Landing support does all the, all the loading, all the documentation of everything being loaded, all the logistics to and from staging areas to the ship and back. Um, we hook things up to helicopters and fly them off to where they need to go. Uh, it's very much a planning effort. And so 
Uh, it can be very daunting as a young lieutenant without a lot of experience to know how to plan and all the considerations you need to make. The Marine Corps does a great job laying out planning tools and processes to, to be able to plan effectively, but you can't replace experience. Uh, so with Captain Meads as my mentor, we were able to work through things together and he was able to say, you know what, Tyler, I did this five years ago and here's one mistake I made. So make sure you think about this and make sure you think about that. Make sure you have fuel pre-staged downrange so that when you get there, you don't have to worry about refueling from miles away. You've got fuel with you. Here's a neat tool that I use to track all the cargo going onto the ships that you can use um, that's effective for you. Um, because I had to develop this out of, you know, struggling myself through it at one point. Um, that mentor-mentee relationship is huge. So I highly recommend, especially for our new or young leaders out there, find a mentor. And for anybody who's more seasoned who may be listening to this, find a mentee. Don't keep that, that those lessons to yourself, especially failure. Preach failure. Be a failure prophet. Lead your young folks and show them that it's okay to fail. And here's why. Here's how I learned. A lot of us won't admit it, but a lot of the the intelligent things that we say to our guys – we finally transitioned from being kind of a young new leader to now I've, I've got some salt and I can, I can start telling people, you know, Hey, back in my day, um, we won't admit it, but a lot of the times those nuggets that we dispense are born of failure. Um, because I, hey, I tried it one way. It didn't work. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to try it a different way now. And that worked. And that's what I'm going to talk about. Um, if you're a, if you're, if you're an older leader or somebody who's got more experience, I'm not even older, but I've been in leadership for 10 years. So I feel comfortable doing this now. Hence me starting this podcast. Um, don't keep it to yourself. Let it out. Let people learn from you. Give them the gift of your experience and knowledge so that maybe they don't have to fail as often before they get the picture. That's hugely important. Um, one last thing I'll talk about failure, and I think we'll wrap up for this episode. Um, you know, a lot of my failure experience was in the military, and I think that's because of when, you know, the time of life I was in. I was young. I was 22 when I first got my, my first real big leadership responsibility as a platoon commander. And certainly since then, I've developed a lot of experience. Um, but we'll talk about my healthcare career. So, you know, I've been out of the Marine Corps now for about five years. I've been in healthcare that entire amount of time. Uh, I was fortunate to get promoted pretty quickly. Um, after about a year after I got out, I was promoted from a manager level to a director level. So nice big pay bump, moved um, from one part of North Carolina to another, to, to our headquarters. And we started started to be given a whole bunch of responsibility. And a lot of this because, you know, my bosses saw potential in me and still see it and want to continue to challenge me and grow me, which I sincerely appreciate. Um, but it doesn't mean that I just knew everything about healthcare. I mean, here I was, 27 when I got promoted to director. And, you know, I'm the youngest director in a company of 30,000 people. That was real and that was daunting. Um, I come out to... Uh, the headquarters where, you know, I was, I was functioning in kind of a more satellite uh, location where people knew my name and kind of knew about me, but didn't really know me yet. And I come in and now I'm supposed to start giving orders and, and dictating process, even though I've only been in healthcare for a year. So in the background, I'm trying to learn all this stuff and be able to apply it effectively to make good leadership decisions. The whole time I'm thinking people are looking at me like, hey, what's this young buck got that I don't have? You know, I'm constantly trying to prove myself. And that is my failure that I want to tell you about as a civilian, constantly thinking that you have to prove yourself. You don't need to prove yourself constantly. You may think that the eyes of the world are on you, especially if you elevate to a position that you think maybe you're a bit young for or a bit inexperienced for. I definitely felt that, especially the first year that I was a director. I felt that people were looking at me, people were judging me. 
I felt that I had to be perfect and I could only report up the good stuff and that I had to keep the bad to myself. I felt that I had to know everything to the point that I'm literally looking up medical terminology every night on WebMD just to try to learn and like watching Grey's Anatomy just to try to learn more about healthcare. You don't have to know everything, guys. You can ask clarifying questions. You can ask people what A, B, or C means. It's okay. Internalize it once you do, and that's why you need to keep a notebook. You need to keep that notebook, if anything, you know, as a reference guide for you um, for lessons that you've learned in the past. Not only leadership, but even your craft, the industry that you're in, uh, especially if you're transitioning industries, it's important to, to keep log of that so that you're not uh, you know, trying to internalize and memorize and then you forget the next day. It took me about six months to a year to realize, okay, it's okay to ask questions. I don't need to pretend to be Superman here just because I'm the youngest director. Um, that revelation to me allowed me to build stronger relationships. It allows you to show a little bit of vulnerability, which is okay. As a leader, it's okay to show some vulnerability as long as that vulnerability is born of a desire to learn and to develop yourself. You don't want to come off as vulnerable because you're a weak leader. You want to come off as maybe vulnerable because you still are a, a ball of clay that needs to be molded. Um, so once I made that mental transition to realize, okay, I can ask clarifying questions. I don't need to know everything. And once I then ask those questions, I gain a better understanding of of the world around me here in healthcare. And now I can make good decisions and apply those lessons to future situations and build my knowledge base and build my healthcare well afforded to. Um, so that's what I think I'll leave us with today. No matter the industry, maybe the military highlights those failures a bit more uh, starkly because in a lot of cases, failing, especially in combat, can be devastating. Um, but even as a civilian, of course, I've experienced failure. I continue to experience it to this day. But what I try to do is learn from those lessons and apply them forward um, in, in future situations that I may encounter. And you don't only have to keep them industry specific. You better believe I apply lessons I learned as a 22-year-old lieutenant to my current day you know, role here um, as a director in healthcare. Um, it is not exclusive to just one time of, of your career, one time of life. It is definitely something that continues to grow over time. And I expect to continue growing that throughout the course of the rest of my career. Thanks, everyone. I really appreciate your time today. Uh, I think the listenership so far in my first few episodes has been fantastic. So I really appreciate those who have hopefully gleaned some good info from this and uh, look forward to receiving any feedback you may have to make the podcast even better going forward. Uh, I'll leave you with, uh, just remember, age is a mindset, but leadership is a calling.